the woods where the wild things frighten. Crooks and ravens, third eye blinding, little, little clipping crow. Walls grow high and walls grow low, down in the belly where the wild things grow. All alone when the smoke does bellow, little, little, take your soul. On this mountain we see it all. Down dark does the lonely fall. The sun will shine once again to burn that fog in the devil's den. Briar knows more than he's telling. Rotted earth has a way of smelling. All around, silent souls are yelling. Lit, da lit, the night grows cold. Underneath is a swarm of mavens. Drive them back to their deep, damp caverns. We will swarm madder of ravens. Lit, da lit, they'll take your soul on this mountain. Welcome to the Cinema Men Podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Hurdle. Good evening, John. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Going well. Well, on tonight's episode, we are going to be reviewing the 2021 horror thriller Ghosts of the Ozarks, starring Thomas Hobson, directed by Matt Glass and Jordan Wayne Long. Mm. So this is a particularly special episode tonight for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, we are reviewing a film that was made in Arkansas, which is our home state. Yes. Uh, But also, we need to make time for... Our special guest and uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> we're not doing that, a silly intro this time. So uh, we're going to introduce Cody Ford from the Arkansas Cinema Society. Hey, Cody. Hey guys, thanks for having me. How's it going? Oh man, it, it it's going great. You know, just staying busy and getting real uh, pumped up for our Filmland event we have coming up here in a few weeks at ACS. Excellent, excellent. So uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself uh, and what you do at the Arkansas Cinema Society and then maybe uh, talk about the film festival. Yeah. So I am, my name's Cody Ford. I am the director of uh, outreach and statewide programs. And so that means I get to go do a lot of cool things like set up film screenings all around the state. And, you know, we've been coming up to uh, Jonesboro in Northeast Arkansas some. We got to work with the team from the Oasis uh, Film and Digital Media Festival earlier in the year. And we brought another Arkansas film up there called Antiquities. A couple friends of mine made a few years back. Really great film. And so, you know, we had the opportunity to, you know, I had talked to Jordan and Tara, the filmmakers of Ghost of the Ozarks, and, you know, they wanted to screen the film. So I reached out to the crew over at Oasis, you know, and our friends at Malco, and we put together a screening a few weeks ago, and we got to host a, uh, you know, got to host the premiere here in Jonesboro. And, like, that was a lot of fun, you know. So, like, we've been doing that, and we're doing a second screening of the film in Fayetteville. Uh, and just, you know, just it's the spooky season, so we're doing some, you know, homegrown horror movies. And then uh, yeah. we are gearing up for our Filmland event, which is coming up. And so at ACS, just to back it up real quick, it, what we do is, you know, we're trying to grow the filmmaking ecosystem in Arkansas through the tenets of watch, learn, and make. And so we have a lot of educational programs. You know, we have it for youth. We have it for adults. And, you know, we're really trying to grow that crew base and inspire more filmmakers. But one way you inspire is, you know, seeing films that get made. And I know when I was growing up down in South Arkansas in El Dorado, I didn't, you know, movie making just kind of seemed like this sort of foreign thing. It's like it just sort of happened. And, you know, I, I didn't know mm-hmm. what that was. You know, I just knew Spielberg. Like, like that's it, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. 
And, uh, you know, and, and I know Jordan Wayne Long, who was the maker, you know, one of the co-director and co-writer of Ghost of Ozarks. He's from Bald Knob, and he told me a similar thing. Like, when we're about the same age, and, you know, we're both coming up. It wasn't like today where, you know, kids are, like, getting, they got, like, a DSLR when they were, like, four years old or whatever you know it's we had those giant mm-hmm. camcorders back then you know with the videotapes so yeah so that's why it's cool to do these screenings with them and bring these filmmakers in so they can inspire you know young and old film lovers and then people who want to get out there and, and do their thing sure yeah I, for sure i mean both of us are are we grew up in arkansas and you know from my perspective i grew up in the woods you know and so the thought of making a movie or even, you know, anything like that was just so alien to me. Um, and so moving to Jonesboro, which is where we're at now, um, you know, getting more exposure to movies and film and seeing what you guys are doing in Arkansas with this, the cinema society is just such an awesome thing to see because, uh, it's just not something that I thought existed even, uh, in our state. And yeah, there, I mean- there really should be more of that. It, it's it, hey, it's popping up more and more, and and that's you know a good thing about my job is I get to go around the state, and they have a really great film festival over in Fort Smith that you know they had the Bentonville Film Festival Gina Davis is part of, and you know, that one really? gets a lot of press, and mm-hmm. you know so so it's popping up. I think El Dorado is going to bring back their film festival, and hopefully we'll get to come back up there and help out the crew at Oasis in Jonesboro and and Newport. You know I programmed the last two years I got to put together a program during their uh, Delta Arts Festival, their uh, film, film program mm-hmm. for that. So so that's been really cool to do all that now you know a little more background on acs we were founded in 2017 by my boss our executive director Catherine tucker and jeff nichols you guys probably know who jeff is right being film buffs and everything (laughs) but you know for people who don't uh jeff is a writer director and his probably his most famous film was mud with mcconaughey and they shot that here in arkansas Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. I, mean, I love all of Jeff's stuff. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, they, they co-founded this. And then early on, we were just trying to decide, you know, how do we, you know, really promote film and bring in some of Jeff's friends. So the first year we got Adam Driver to come in and, wow. you know, they screened awesome. Force Awakens, which is really cool. You know, I, I didn't get to be there myself. I wasn't part of the crew at that point in time. But, you know, every year since then, it's like once Filmland launched the following year, it's like, you know, we bring in films from Sundance or Telluride, like all all these big films before you hear about them at the Oscars, like Nomadland, like we did that one. And, you know, that was really cool to have, uh, get to screen that one. And mm-hmm. last year, you know, and usually like we've had, uh, David Lowry who did, uh, the green Knight. He came a few years back. We, mm-hmm. Chloe Jow came, well, she didn't come. We had to do it on zoom because of COVID, but you know, we did Nomadland. Jeff did a fantastic Q and a with her. And last year we got to bring in, uh, Jessica Chastain and she wow. brought the eyes of Tammy Faye. Did you guys see that one? No, I didn't see that one. Man, I would highly recommend it. It's one of the best biopics I've ever seen. Like, okay, yeah, you know, I mean, growing up, you know, I just I knew who Tammy Faye Baker was. I mean, as a kid, whenever they were famous, you know, it was she had, kind of had that sort of clown over the top persona. But mm-hmm. the film that Jessica and them made, it's just so good, man. It is such a humanizing portrait, and and it doesn't necessarily follow the same beats that like you know like Walk the Line or Ray or all those you know like the Dead Brother and then came Drugs. You know, it's it, it follows it it's different. You know, but. Yeah, it, it's just a fantastic film, and Jessica disappeared into that role. So it was so cool to have her there, and you get to do that. But yeah, this year, you know, we're cooking it up November 3rd through 6th in Little Rock. Uh, you know, we've got the program. We haven't announced it yet, but the announcement's coming. And so, you know, we're hoping to have some surprises this year. And we're going to be back inside at the Cal's Ron Robinson Theater downtown. And
and we're going to have workshops during the day. We'll be doing our Filmland Arkansas selections, which are films that are made by Arkansans or you know, people with Arkansas connections. And mm-hmm. so that'll be going on. And then, you know, in the evening, we're going to be bringing some of those big films from Sundance and all the other festivals. So, yeah, we'd love to have people come down. Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. I feel so ignorant because we've been doing this podcast for like two yeah. years and I didn't realize any of this was going on. Uh, but that's, this that's whole super world awesome. is opening up. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, don't beat yourself up about it. Cause we've all here in Arkansas. I mean, we're all so spread out that it's like, we've lived in these creative pockets, you know, these bubbles of like, I, I live in Fayetteville and it's like, you know, people in Fayetteville, they, they couldn't tell you what's happening in Jonesboro. You know, like right. I've just, been, or down in Little Rock, you know, it's like, I've just been lucky enough that with my job that I get to get around the state and meet everybody and go to, you know, and, and I love bringing bridging those gaps. And you know, I love talking to you know you guys and telling you about some of the things that are going on. And you know, we'd love to have y'all come down to film land if you, if you want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's work sure. it out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll try and, you know, I'll, I'll get back with you whenever we have that program announced. Excellent. Might come. But yeah, I would invite any of your listeners, you know, even if you're not connected to Arkansas, like just come on over, you know, it's, I mean, we're bringing in like big time films that, you know, you will probably see at the Academy Awards at some point. So, I mean, we're not necessarily the first stop. Usually it's like Sundance or Toronto mm-hmm. or Venice or somebody, but we, I think we were the second or third stop for Nomadland a few years back, which is wow. a, a big honor. You that know? Is, so, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And that theater is really great. And, you know, downtown Little Rock's fun. So I, I think people would have a good time if they can. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Um, tell, tell everybody one more time, those dates and uh, where that is just so they can remember that. So the fifth annual film land is going to be taking place in downtown Little Rock at the Cal's Ron Robinson theater. And that is going to be happening November 3rd through 6th. And, uh, you know, it starts Thursday night, goes through Sunday night, but you know, the big stuff's definitely on the weekend and we'll be having things going during the day on the weekend, uh, as well. You know, that's when those workshops and things will be happening. And so, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. We'd love to have people come down and, you know, if they want to get tickets, find out more, then go to filmland.org or arkansascinemasociety.org. And also, I mean, go to the, our ACS website. You know, I do a newsletter every month. And so I, I'm talking about stuff that's happening in film all around the state. So, you know, it's like, like we've got up here in Bentonville right now, David Duchovny and Meg Ryan are shooting a film, you know, and it's like awesome. stuff that like people might not know about that's just happening. So that's what we try to do with that newsletter is really let people know about, you know, the films that are coming here, the events that are happening and who the filmmakers are, you know, out there. So, yeah, we, we'd love to have you subscribe. And, you know, people can also follow us on Facebook and, um, you know, Arkansas Cinema Society on there and on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Arkansas Cinema. So, yeah, check us out. Excellent. And uh, for those of you on the website, you'll be able to find those links in our show notes. So uh, feel free to look there if you want to just click those links and zip right to them. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Cody. Um, All right. So on with the show, we have, as we said, Ghosts of the Ozarks, the 2020-2021 horror thriller. And it is Shocktober. (laughs) And so we're... It's back. <laughs> we're doing uh, we're doing the spooky movies this month as much as we can. Uh, but this is a spoiler podcast. So if you've never seen this movie and you don't want to be spoiled, pause this episode, go watch the movie and then come back. Stay tuned until the end of the episode where we reveal our next movie so you can follow along with us. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us or give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com 
or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. If you would like to support us monetarily and have the means to do so, you can go to anchor.fm slash cinemamenpodcast slash support. We use the money to improve the quality of the podcast, so in advance, thank you very much. Let's get started with our review of Ghosts of the Ozarks. this kind of harmony up north find traveling by day much more amicable you catch a glimpse on your way in of the ghosts the hard part is sorting out what's real they don't care what you look like james all that matters purpose it can't be real as real as anything i've ever known these walls we hadn't built we were not alone That was a trailer from Ghosts of the Ozarks. Uh, Reading the plot synopsis from imdb.com. In post-Civil War Arkansas, a young doctor is mysteriously summoned to a remote town in the Ozarks only to discover that the utopian paradise is filled with secrets and surrounded by a menacing supernatural presence. Not a bad synopsis this time around. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Cody, you have some uh, information and some facts about this, the making of this movie. Uh, before you drop, I think you wanted to share uh, some of that information. I think that would be very awesome and helpful uh, with regards to the review of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I have to head out a little bit early, but I would, you know, I, I can totally share, you know, just I've got to have several conversations with the filmmakers and I, I had them on our podcast. It uh, hasn't got to air yet, but uh, our, our podcast is Real Talk Arkansas. And I had Matt, Tara and Jordan on there the other day. And okay. I, mean, I just got to say, like talking to them, it's so inspiring. Uh, and I'm not I don't even mean that. Like J- Jordan is he's got a little bit of Tony Robbins in him. <laughs> you know, he's just one of those guys. You, you can't talk to him and not just feel like you can go like conquer the world or at least take right. over the next town over. <laughs> you know, like you just get that level of hype when you talk to him. And you know, I think that's really gotten them far because with their first film uh, that's out now, it's called Squirrel. And it was on Tubi, or it's on Tubi now. Like they just they they waited and sold it after their others, but they used that one. They shot it very low budget, and then used that to get money for twelve hour shift, and then for Ghost of the Ozarks. And yeah, it's just I mean, it's a hustle making movies, and you know you have to believe in yourself. You have to be believe in you know ultimately it's a product that story is, and and I, I think they've done such a great job of you know not only believing in themselves but also just being so personable. And you know when we did that screening up in Jonesboro, I was just really blown away. By I mean, it sold out before the event and just and it's because they were so connected with that community. I mean, not just both of them grew up there in the area, but just the community really stepped up for them when they were making it. And, you know, Jordan got there, I think, in 20, like late 2019 or something. And he started building. They built a town down in Truman, Arkansas, the small town. Jordan built it with his dad and a couple other people. And I mean, that's the sets that you see in this film um, that it's still there. 
And you have, it's basically kind of like a studio now. Somebody wanted to rent it out for a film. They could. And yeah, and they built that. And they did that on their own. And they went out and they raised uh, their budget. I mean, it's, I mean, for what, how it looks, it's not a very high budget film, you know, it's, it's seven figures, but like, it looks like it's, you know, eight figures easily. It's just (laughs) so well shot. And, and yeah, I just, you know, I I was just so impressed with them and, you know, they built that town and they were ready to go and then COVID hit. And of course, you know, like for everybody in the film industry, just shut down, just like, you know, was around the world. And, but they were determined and they're like, we're going to do it. And they were the first film out of the gate that had a SAG Screen Actors Guild approval to go out and film. And I mean, it took a lot of like Jordan has a, a friend who is, I think, in like the Pentagon or something. And that guy got them test. And like basically they sort of they were winging it and figuring out this protocol as SAG was kind of figuring it out. And they were like, I say, the first ones out of the gate and they were shooting in Arkansas and they made this movie and no one caught COVID during that time. I mean, that summer of 2020 and yeah, I mean, it was incredible because just, I mean, we probably, you know, a lot of us heard that rant like with Tom Cruise whenever there was those cases and, and, you know, I'm not going (laughs) to hate on him for it because I get it. I mean, that's time and that's money and you know people are out of work and it's a big deal. And, but Jordan and Tara and Matt, I mean, their whole team, they all stuck together and they brought in the community and the community had their back and everybody was careful and they made this really incredible film. Um, and you know, and it's out there and I would just highly recommend people to watch it. I mean, just in terms of story, the great, great performances, Tara, who is co-writer, uh, she and a producer on it, you know, she stars in it. And, and Tara had moved out from Jonesboro out to LA and she was on a show with Thomas that's, and they were friends for years. And, uh, it was called, uh, I'm totally going blank on it. It's like the something band, but yeah, they were on a Nickelodeon yeah, show after my oh, time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, right. and I asked her, I was like, do they offer classes for people who have worked on a Nickelodeon show and have to go back to regular acting? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just that she's like, they need to, because it's kind of yeah. tricky. And yeah. but that is how, you know, she got connected with, you know, Jordan and that team in the beginning was just wanting to be involved in these more serious dramatic projects. And, and they just, man, they pulled it together, and it's just so impressive. Anytime I get to see a filmmaker, you know, get to talk to them and hear that backstory. But yeah, I mean, they, they shot Truman, and then they shot a little bit in um, Harrisburg at a there's like a uh, Parker Homestead. Yeah, yeah, the right. Homestead. Yeah, down there. And then <laughs> they ended up having to do a couple reshoots, and they basically created like a very miniature set in their backyard after they had went back to L.A. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a cool thing. And, you know, and they got, you know, some big names, you know, to pop up too. And well, like one of the main guys played Jackie Childs on Seinfeld, you know, and which which is just really cool. And I didn't realize that was him at first until Jordan told me. Because he just the bomb on. Yeah, it's so different. Uh, but you know, they had that guy and then they, you know, they had David Arquette in there and he and his wife, Chris, Christina, Christina's on our board and, you know, they were also helped them produce the film. And, uh, then, you know, uh, what is his name from Oh Brother, Where Art There? I'm totally going blank on it. Who has that? He has Tim, a Blake, great Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. Tim Blake Nelson. He's got that musical number in this film. And yeah, I mean, they got him and just, it's a fantastic cast. And I mean, was shot here and i don't know i'm still just blown away by it i mean maybe yeah. maybe i'm not giving you all the juicy details that you want but i'm just so impressed by what they put together and i would just highly recommend it you know if you're a film film lover and you like a good story or you know if, if you just like to see something that was very diy and very community involved and just see how they pulled it off because they pull it off well they and really uh, do. Yeah, I, would, I would recommend people watching it yeah for sure um one of the things i just appreciate the most about this whole thing is the fact 
and I keep saying it over and over again, but the fact that they are from Arkansas, they moved to L.A. or California, and then they decided to make a film in Arkansas um, mm-hmm. that shows real dedication to the state as far as like loving to be here, loving growing up here and wanting to make something that that they could share with the state, essentially. Um, yeah. And I just really like that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you can really yeah. tell that the, uh, the like the state's on board with it. Right. Given the the participation that Cody mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody around here says there's a movie being filmed and everyone's like, what? Really? Where? How can I see? How can I help? You know, so yeah. it's 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 just it's really cool. Yeah. I've heard other filmmakers say that's one of the things they love about coming to Arkansas is people aren't jaded. Uh, like out in LA, I mean, if you go and you're doing an outdoor shoot, the guy next door might crank his lawnmower until you pay him to turn his lawnmower off when he, <laughs> he sees you out there. I've been told that by, by friends who've worked on sets with that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just Arkansas. I mean, the community shows up, but also the state government does. I mean, like last year we got these tax incentives passed that really expanded, you know, getting more films here. And that was a bipartisan thing. And Governor Hutchinson has been really great with his rebates and helping get productions like True Detective and others here. So, yeah, I mean, it's just great to see the state recognize that it's also a jobs program is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. you're putting, you know, carpenters, electricians, seamstresses, you know, it's like, blue collar working class jobs. It's not just like, you know, someone who went to film school at NYU and they're coming back and, you know, being all Hollywood about it. It's just like, you know, the people are coming in and they're making, I mean, a lot of movies, like I mentioned, you know, that film that's shooting up here right now, it's like, you know, two big name stars, but the producer, I mean, I went to school at UCA with her, you know, and, and she's been back in Arkansas for a few years after a stint out in Austin for a while. And, you know, she put together a team and, you know, of other producers and they made it happen. And it's, it's just awesome to see that it's like magic when it all, you know, when it all comes together, like, 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 uh, what was his name? Who smoked the cigar Hannibal on the A team, you know, you got to love it when a plan comes (laughs) together, you know? (laughs) So it's just very impressive. And, you know, I, I would just, you know, I I know you guys got to get to the big show here, but I just say anybody who is interested in filmmaking, just remember you can do it because Jordan and Tara, they didn't go to like film school or anything like that. I mean, Tara, you know, after college, she went out to LA and just started, taking some regular classes and then you know, acting classes and then got that left out and got that gig on Nickelodeon. Jordan, he was in a band and that's how he learned how to use a camera was he started like filming behind the scenes and they got on the warp tour and, you know, I mean, so, so they don't have this super formal background. They just came together and they did it. And that's what I think mm-hmm. is just so impressive. And I'd say, you know, I'd stress it to anybody. You can do it. It's just going to take a lot of work, but you got to believe in yourself, your team and the story you want to tell. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely demystifies the whole art in in a way so that it makes it more accessible. Yeah. Um, well, Cody, thank you so much for giving your time to to join us on our lowly podcast. Um, really, really fun to talk to you. Uh, awesome that you shared all that information. I know that, you know, we're, we're very interested in a lot of these things and going to try our darndest to, to make them. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, appreciate you being here and hopefully you'll come back and, and we can talk movies some more. All right. Uh, so. Well, John, that was, that was some awesome info. We've hit the big time, John. <laughs> we might We've had well, a guest on. Yep. We might as well hang up our hats. This is, it. This, never, is, this is as big as it gets for us. It's never going to get any better than this. <laughs> when, when, when are we getting Tom Hanks on here? I, I signed him up for next week. <laughs> hopefully you're okay with that. <laughs> 
He wouldn't come oh, on unless man. we had at least one guest prior. And so, we, oh, well, we there we go. We, we fulfilled our quota. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though, um, a lot of thanks to Cody for taking time. He's he's been really really busy, and uh, I, I know it wasn't easy for him to carve that time out. So, uh, Cody, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time and promoting a lot of really cool things here uh, local in Arkansas. Yeah. Um, just and again, please. all of those links that he's mentioned, you'll be able to find in our show notes. So uh, you can visit us on our website and uh, just find the episode and you'll see the notes right there. And everything's just a click away. Yep. That blew my mind. All the stuff we had that has been going on. Um, all right. Well, why don't we get into the review of the movie? Oh, yes. The movie review. You know, we, we attended that premiere in Jonesboro. We did. We were there. Yeah. It was awesome. In particular, when you're watching the film and you can look left and right and see the people on the screen sitting next to you watching the film. It's yeah. kind of trippy. That was wild. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, what did you think of the plot of this movie? So, I went into this movie... 100% blind. I yes. didn't know anything about it except that it was called Ghost of the Ozarks and that it was a post-Civil War like period horror piece. And I wasn't even really sure it was a horror piece. I just thought it was looking at the the poster, <laughs> basic title, yeah. <laughs> um and so that said, uh, I knew it was a local film and I'm going to I'm going to have to admit to something here, John. Yes. I thought to myself, all right, we're going to a Jonesboro premiere of a movie that I've not ever heard of and I don't know anything about. And it's got David Arquette in it. And this is going to be B-Movie City. <laughs> right? Yep. My expectations were not high. I Similar. was like, this is, is going to be rough, uh, but it's going to be fun because it's here in Jonesboro and it's a premiere and I'm all here for it. And uh, as we were sitting in the theater waiting for it to start, I could hear people talking all around me. And I found out that a lot of the people there were actually extras in the movies. And there were some of the the, uh, the actors in there with smaller parts and such. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool. You know, I'm sitting here with all these people here getting ready to watch this movie. They're all excited because they're going to see themselves up on the screen for the first time in most cases. And uh, so I was like, all right, well, let's give this a go. So I sat down and uh, the first five minutes went through and I thought the first five minutes were kind of weak. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we see our main character who is um, James McCoon. I think that's right. McCune, James McCune, McCune. Yep. Uh, played by Thomas Hobson. He's on a horse and he's riding and he camps for the night in some woods. We find out that he's going to meet his uh, uncle in this town where he's been invited to come stay. And uh, he gets somewhat accosted by a guy who thinks he's got some precious stones. Um, while the guy is getting on to him, this red smoke shows up and he gets yanked into it, never to be seen again um, alive, we should mm -hmm. say. At this point, I was like, yeah, okay, this is right on par with kind of what I was expecting. This is, uh, you know, just not going to be a great movie. Well, then the rest of the movie happened. And I've got to tell you, I got super into it. Um, 
like a, for some reason, maybe it was the the lenses that I was wearing when I walked into the gla- into the movie theater. My expectations were like, this is going to be a bad movie. You know, I'm here for it, but I'm not expecting much. And then it turned out to be not a bad movie at all. Um, I thought the plot was really engaging. Um, I was super invested in the characters and what was going on in the town, the mystery around it. Um, there's a lot of what is going on that happens in this movie. Um, and man, I really just fell for this movie hook, line and sinker. Uh, by the end of the movie, I, I was in love with it. Um, so, you know, a big surprise there. Um, yeah. I guess going back to the, the plot itself, um, I guess we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Which is? This movie is really similar to another movie that uh, Maverick. was done by a certain <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan uh, called The Village. Oh, I was wrong. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. There, there may be some parallels there. I haven't actually seen that film yet, but oh, whoops. <laughs> there may be some parallels. I'm not sure. No, there's but, no parallel. Um, it's it has a very similar feel. I haven't seen The Village in a very long time, but um, this movie does. It it's very similar. It has a lot of very similar pieces to it. Um, they're both about villages that are surrounded and haunted by monsters or ghosts. And, you know, it's about the secrets that the town has and uncovering them slowly through the film. Um, so, you know, I just want to get that out there right off the bat. This has a lot of village vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that said, there is a lot that sets this film apart from the village as well. Um, in particular, the characters. I thought the characters in this film were outstanding. Every one of them were interesting and unique, and they had this whole overwhelming kind of, uh, what's the word, arc? I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but basically every character was there to fulfill a specific purpose. Right. Uh, James, our main character, was brought in to be the new town doctor. Tara was a hunter with her, or not Tara, I'm sorry, Annie, was a hunter along with her brother, William, who was played by Joseph Rudd uh, for you WWE fans out there. <laughs> um, Torb kept the bar and uh, butchered the meat. And uh, he, he worked there with his wife, Lucille, and that was their job. Uh, David Arquette's character, um, Douglas, took pictures. <laughs> Douglas was there as a tailor. And yeah, he took pictures as a hobby in his spare time. Yeah. Um, everybody, Everybody has their job in the town and they fit in and that's what they do. And that narrative, that's the word I was looking for. Narrative kind of makes it unique, right? It makes the characters stick out because they're not just a personality now. You know, Annie is one of the main characters in this film, uh, but she's easy to remember, not just for her personality, but because, oh, she's the hunter. You know, William is the other hunter. Uh, Miss Roberts, she's the teacher. Like, it, it made it a little bit easier for me to keep up with the, the cast that was in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, every one of them, I thought, was very interesting, unique, and well-written. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I 100% agree with basically everything you said, except for uh, the intro. Out from the plot perspective, I had no problem. I, I was I was in it from the get go. Um, there are other things about the intro that I didn't like, but we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. um, I 100% agree. This is the Village 2.0. Um, it's I think it's better than the Village in a lot of ways. I would um, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, specifically around what you said about the characters. I think in the village, it, it was more uh, like Protestant or uh, Quaker-like. Like everyone was, uh, I don't know, that that of that like era, I guess. Mm -hmm. There was a, a lot more like background uh, extra type characters. Um, and it seemed like because this movie is an indie, um, a lot of the characters were more prominent and had more to do and had more of a, a, a arc. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of characters that I wanted more from, and I guess that's sort of a, a, a nitpick, but because the movie was so good at, at describing those characters that I wanted to see more of those characters. Yeah. I think that's a good thing though, right? Yeah. Like, like that's a good stamp on this movie. You were invested enough in these character stories that you wanted more than what you got. Yeah. Specifically, Torb. Uh, I want a Torb solo film. Uh, I'm <laughs> all just, in on that. It talks about how he lost his, uh, or he, how, how he got disfigured and like how he found the town and all that. That would be amazing. Um, and how he met his wife. That would be awesome. Um, I love this, the swerve. So the, the village like swerve where we have this idea of the swerve. You know, yeah. So, it's demons or it's ghosts, but then it, uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, I, I really like that uh, mainly because I wasn't like going into the movie, and this is why we say it's a spoiler podcast. Going into the movie, I didn't know anything about it like you, and so I assumed it was a straight horror film. Uh, not not the case, and so that was an awesome little uh, twist. Yeah, it's almost not a horror film. I, like, no. I mean, it is, I guess, but at the same time, it, it's not a real scary horror film. It's just... It's more a suspense film, thriller. Yeah, with a lot of suspense and some, some darker themes, I guess, but... Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that maybe the plot meanders just a little bit, uh, but overall, I thought it was very well constructed. Um, and this is a great example of letting the story play out without a whole lot of exposition. Mm -hmm. um, there was not very much exposition at all. Um, and where there was to its it, credit for sure. It was necessary. Yeah. No, I because, hate, I don't like movies with a lot of like, well, let me tell you about this. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's <laughs> definitely like this movie that I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm really a big fan of this. Like you don't know what's going on. Right. Like, you know, about as much as the main character knows. All you know is that there are these so-called ghosts that live in red smoke that are outside the walls and you're not supposed to leave at night. Mm -hmm. And slowly, as you watch the film through the storytelling, we learn about the town and who the people are. And we start to see in our mind kind of this the sinister undercurrent that's running underneath it that nobody else seems to be aware of in the town or they are. And they're pretending not to be. Mm -hmm. Um 
And yeah, that that may be my favorite part of this movie is is the way that they did that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was very expertly done. I feel like, um, definitely. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I had about plot. Do you have anything else that you want to? Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that I feel like they did a really good job of mixing the whole positive and negative vibes at the same time and presenting that through the town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, at first glance, this town feels almost like a, well, like a utopia to use the, the cliched term. Um, you know, everything's right. great. They're prospering. They've got money and food and everybody's getting along and, you know, through that and over time you start to see oh that's maybe not exactly right or something over here is a little bit wrong like you see a guy getting in trouble for uh you know being a little bit late for work and he's like getting the fifth degree or um you know somebody gets attacked outside the wall and they just happen to have said something kind of negative about the town prior or something like there's there's just these events that happen over time and it slowly like changes your perspective of the town. And I, mm-hmm. the way that they did that through just without exposition and through the storytelling and letting you just kind of notice it as a audience member, as a viewer, really, really great. Um, and, you know, you kind of see that personified, I think, by um, Phil Morris, who played Matthew um, McCune, kind of the the mayor of the town, um, in his performance, and, and I'm getting a little bit into acting here, but he um, he does a really good job of having like a darkness hidden in him, despite the fact that he's being as personable as your next door neighbor. Do you know right. what I mean? Like he portrays that from his first scene, and it's just a just outstanding job. Yeah. Well, so the reason that that is the case, I think, is because he was one of the founding members of this town, along with Torb and his wife and maybe others. But it it, it seemed like they had a pact, like they had an agreement, an understanding mm-hmm. about how the town would be run. And I feel like his he's not evil, necessarily. His job was to make this town the way, the way it is. Um, right, and so he he's just really invested to the point where he will do whatever is necessary to make sure that the equilibrium of the town stays intact. Yes, um, and that that's why I think that's why he's able to pull that off because his character knows, like, I'm just doing what I'm 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 doing what I feel like I have to do. He's doing um, his role. He's he's serving his purpose. Yeah, serving his purpose. Yeah. So yeah, that, it was really well done. Uh, so why don't we get into acting then? Let's do it. Uh, I thought this was a really good cast. Um, <laughs> the casting for this was was really good. Um, Tim Blake Nelson, I have to mention up front because he played Torb, and like I said, I want to I want a sequel, I want a prequel or of uh, just Torb. Yeah. Um, He's, it seemed like he really got into that role. Um, he was really invested in it. Great Thomas acting Hopkins. and an amazing character, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thomas Hobson, who played the lead, uh, Doc McCune. I don't... 
he was always he always had a he had a facial expression of sadness or pain. And I assume this is due to uh, the gruesome injury he suffered mm-hmm. before he made it to the town. But he was so good at changing his facial expressions subtly to, to fit what was happening. Yeah. Um, he did a really good job. I thought, I mean, you know, I, I, I agree with you completely and I, I really hope to see him in a lot more stuff in the future. I, I think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he would like, he would have moments where he was laughing or smiling, uh, usually when he was around Annie, uh, but even through the the laughing and smiling, you could still tell he was in pain, or he was still mm-hmm. either he was in pain or he was confused because of where he was. Um, he never ever really settled on in the town. I don't think before everything went down. Um, Tara Perry was great as Annie. Um, she's that tough female character. Uh, which is refreshing to see, but at the same time, she got ambushed and was not able to uh, handle that, obviously. Um, it, I feel of, like she was a female character done right. You know, mm-hmm. we've discussed before how female, strong female characters in particular, they they tend to a lot of times be done what feels like a wrong way, right? Like, they're just automatically good at everything and they're just yeah. badasses and you don't mess with them and there's no explanation for it. And it's just like, they're all the things feminine and masculine all rolled into one ball. And you know, it, I, I don't like it when they do that. I like it when we get a, a female strong female lead that is, you know, a, a female character. Like you don't have to be, bundled up with tons of masculinity and in this case she wasn't i didn't feel like she was just awesome yeah and we don't need an explanation that you know oh she had to she had to fight and claw her way to be awesome no she's just awesome (laughs) like that may sound contradictory but maybe you know what i mean yeah it makes sense it all you know this is civil civil war arkansas oh right there women had to be tough uh, but then she was her purpose was a hunter, and so she had to know how to navigate woods, and she know, had to know how to survive. Um, so through, again, without exposition, through her job title and through the era, we assume she's she can take care of herself and her attitude. Obviously, and she but, most definitely can. Yeah, yeah, loved and, that and, character, and yeah, I yeah. agree, an amazing job by Tara. Yeah. It all it all felt grounded in a movie that was supposed to be about ghosts and demons, mm-hmm. which they didn't have to do. I mean, necessarily, it could have been more of a B movie, like you were you were saying. Um, and yeah, just the entire cast. I mean, I can't, I really can't think of a single person that stood out as bad or or different in a in a in a way that was bad against no, the other character. I agree completely. Yep. Do you have any um, more uh, thoughts? On yeah. That? <laughs> so I, I mentioned Phil Morris. Um, I thought he did just absolutely outstanding in this film. Um, his portrayal of the mayor who, you know, will do anything to make sure that the town succeeds and the way he can switch between friendly and sinister and how even when he's friendly, there's that level of sinister in there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was just incredible. Um, I want to talk about uh, Angela Bettis, who played Lucille, uh, Torb's wife. I thought she did an amazing job. And um, looking through her story, uh, she's had some interesting roles in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, namely, she played uh, May in the movie May. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, listeners out there have seen May or not, but I did see that movie uh, back when it was a new film. And uh, this was 2002, I think. It, mm-hmm. uh, woof. It, it's that movie stuck with me. I'll just tell you that it's, it was one of the scarier movies I've ever seen. And to this day, it may be one of the scarier movies I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, and so it's phenomenal to see her be in that and then make this switch over to this film where she's playing a, a much more endearing character. Uh, and a, a really interesting one too. Um, which I thought she played extremely well. Um, awesome. David Arquette known for being a little bit goofy uh, <laughs> was a little bit goofy in this movie. He was a little goofy. He was David Arquette, but he had some moments where, you know, the, the shit hits the fan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought he pulled him off really well. Like when he was frantically trying to tell James about the photo he took um, and near the end, when he's getting raised up and is about to be uh, presumably Burning Man, or not Burning Man, what's the, what's that movie? Wicker Man. He's about Wicker to be Man. Wicker Man. Burning Man is something entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he did a great job. I felt like. Um, yeah. Really, I'm like you. I I can't think of anyone in this cast that I would call out and say you did a bad job. I felt like the acting was really well done. Uh, surprisingly well done throughout yeah. the entire movie. It it just continually demystifies, like I was saying earlier, the movie industry, because you would think these big name actors that have been in just Academy Award winning films and, and whatnot coming to Arkansas to work with two Arkansans on a movie that is budgeted at a million dollars or two million, whatever it was. I think was. it was two. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think they'd kind of just phone it in, just collect their paycheck and, and move on. But it really seemed like everyone was was into the movie, was invested, and wanted to make a good thing. And mm-hmm. uh, that that surprises me a little bit. But yeah, I'm a little cynical, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not used to that here. You yeah. know? We're, we're what most of you out there would probably consider small town. And uh, having something as spectacular as a movie in the area is, is it's a big deal. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's something. One more thing I did want to point out about the acting. Yes. Uh, a lot of times when you watch movies like this that are in a Southern setting, uh, in particular, I would think for you and I, uh, Southern accents sound forced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's easy when you naturally have that accent to recognize when someone is just kind of doing their best and doesn't really know what they're doing or, or have a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in this movie, some of the, the best I've ever heard, yeah. like, like I, I didn't, I'd have never known that they weren't locals. Um, so I want to give all the actors points in particular, those who aren't from the South for uh, giving us their Southern accents because man, they were just spot 
on. Yeah, and uh, back to Tim Blake Nelson for a minute. Uh, whatever that accent he was doing, I guess it was, I assumed uh, it was German or German. like a maybe a like a Scandinavian yeah. accent was good as well. And he's actually from the South, I believe, or hmm. one of the Southern states. Uh, so for him to choose uh, Scandinavian or German or whatever he was doing, very, very well done. Well, he had that great accent that we got to hear in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. He's turned you into a horny toad. <laughs> uh, Which might sound exaggerated, but actually was pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I know people who talk like that. Welcome to Arkansas. Uh, yes. <laughs> Anything else of note for acting? Uh, no, I think that's it. Just a uh, good job all around, which again, huge surprise. I thought I was going into camp city B movie <laughs> town and it wasn't like not yeah. at all. And uh, you know, the fact that they did all this with 2 million bucks is pretty amazing, man. Like I would put yeah. this on par with some of the high budget horror films that I've seen. Like I think yeah. it's better than most of them, uh, to be honest with you. Not many seams in the in the fabric there. Weird metaphor, but I I did say it. I'm with you. The curtails, <laughs> curtails. <laughs> hey, uh, this is an episode of firsts. We had our first Uh-oh. guest, and now we have our first new sponsor. Oh, oh. Yep, I'm dropping it. Zencaster is our sponsor. Yes. Uh, so since the beginning of the podcast, Matt, you know as well as I do, we've been using we had been using Discord and recording our audio locally. A little bit of uh, a headache. Yeah, I would record using Adobe Audition. Matt would use Audacity. This worked fine for We're giving a out long all time. our secrets. Oh yeah, uh, but Matt would have to upload that audio to a Google drive and then I would pull it down and then I would have to stitch the audio together to make it make sense during post-production. I know that wasn't easy and I really appreciate you for doing that, by the way. We made a professional podcast for years. Hi, bro. Semi-professional. Very well known. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Very big (laughs) in Ireland and Australia. Uh, but then about six months ago, I was listening to another podcast that I listen to regularly, and they mentioned Zencaster, and I was like, eh, what's that about? That sounds cool. Um, so I went to the website, and I got a trial, <clears throat> and I'm so glad we did that because we don't have to worry about recording separate tracks anymore. We don't have to worry about running multiple applications uh, Zencaster merges all of the audio tracks together and we can even perform some, it even does some automatic post-production stuff like removing silence and background, no- background noise. Uh, and we get this high quality video feed that we can look at each other without having to use discord or anything. I can see Matt's pretty face. Um, Poor guy. So overall, I think that's one of the best decisions we've ever made for the podcast. Uh, it's just I a great, have to agree completely. Yeah, it's a great application. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it's so much easier now. I'm not clicking between Discord and my notes and different research articles and all this stuff. Like everything is just right here. 
I've got mm-hmm. you. I can see where we're recording. I can see how long we've been recording. I can see both of our audio tracks and see the wavelengths and know when we're talking. Uh, we can we can automatically mute here on the screen instead of having to reach up and hit our mics. Um, there's even a little chat window here. So when the trailers are playing or we're playing a sound bit or something, um, which we're playing live. Yeah, we have a sound really bit. Cool. Uh, we didn't, those have always been dropped in traditionally, but we can, we can chat with each other and, and talk about, you know, well, what's coming up next, blah, blah, blah. So um, it, it's, it's outstanding. Zencaster has transformed the way we've done this podcast. For sure. So if you have a podcast or want to get start a podcast and are wondering about the best way to record multiple audio tracks, I would urge you to try Zencaster. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code CINEMAMEN, C-I-N-E-M-A-M-E-N. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all of my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. All right. There you go. And for those of you wondering, Zencaster is Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Yes, no E. Uh, all right. Art direction, cinematography, and visual effects. So let's start off with the thing that we both have to say negative. I have a, maybe a different reason you have, but okay. The shaky cam. Uh, yep. You know, I'm going to be honest. I didn't notice the shaky cam past the introduction of the movie, the, the first, you know, 10 minutes or so. But in those first 10 minutes, watching this movie on a theater screen, I, honest to goodness, felt motion sick and got dizzy. Uh, It was distracting and it took me completely out of the film. Thankfully, it was only in the beginning that I noticed this. And uh, after that, it it cleared up. And if there was any shaky cam, I was so into the story, I didn't notice it. It worked worked after that. But I feel like those first couple of shots really needed to be still shots instead of shaky shots. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, I know. So the reason for me, why I didn't like it is because I came into the movie like you did. And I was like, we're watching a movie that's premiering in Jonesboro, Arkansas at a Malco theater. Uh, this ain't going to be good. Mm-hmm. And so it opens with the shaky cam and I was like, oh no, it's going to, the oh, yeah. whole thing is going to be like this. Uh, but it cleared up and it cleared up at the right moment because it was on purpose to convey this uh, uncertainty or uh, uh, foreboding in Exploration the woods. Exploration maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know why it was there. It just, for me, it was kind of my own, opinions in the movie before I even watched the movie. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be great. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't recall the shaky cam after that, but that doesn't, like you said, I don't know that if that was because they didn't use it or because I was into the movie and it didn't really register. Right. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm, same, same critique, maybe different reasons. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a little off putting. I, I will say that I rewatched this movie. And for those of you curious at home, you can watch this movie for free right now on Tubi. Uh, T-U-B-I. Yes. 
But uh, I did rewatch this movie on Tubi, and it's much less distracting on a smaller screen. So not seeing it on a movie screen, it, it was it was way better <laughs> watching it on a smaller one. I didn't feel sick at all. <laughs> so there's that to consider, I guess. <laughs> all right. So uh, moving on. Um, costumes, makeup, top notch. Given the budget of this film, they were wonderful. All of the costumes looked great. The makeup was done well. Um, when poor Annie gets beat to heck, she looks amazing down there. Um, Torb's makeup looks good, although it does, it did leave me a little confused at points because his, I think, left eye, you can see his left eye in some scenes and in other scenes you can't see it at all. Um, mm. And I was a little confused as to if he just kept it closed and he had it and it didn't see, or if he had it and maybe had a little bit of vision in it. I, I was a little confused on that note. Um, okay. But that aside, I thought it looked great. Um, mm -hmm. The ghosts were outstanding looking. Uh, you know, with that red fog kind of dominating everything, you've got these huge dark figures with glowing faces. Um, they're terrifying and they look amazing. I felt like, uh, you know, it was time to bust out some heavy metal or something whenever I saw <laughs> that scene with the red and the, the spiky dark monster holding up the guy. Um, just phenomenal work. Um, mm -hmm. the set design I thought was really good. Um, it was, uh, it was all, it was all pretty great. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the red smoke. Yep. Um, I'm conflicted on the red smoke. Okay. Because like in the beginning of the film, when we first see it, I'm like, this is goofy. What is this is dumb. And then the guy is just like, ah, and gets launched into the smoke with no explanation. And I, I felt a little weird about it, but as the movie progresses, it grew on me. Um, after that first time that we see it, it becomes this kind of visual indicator that it's kind of like the Jaws music. Turn you know, you see the red smoke and you know something's about to go down. Yeah. And on top of that, with the lighting that's in this film and the scenes with the ghosts, which are almost exclusively in the nighttime, you get this cool red dominated darkness. You know, uh, it's a really bold choice of a color, but it, it creates some really cool contrast shots of, you know, dark figures in the red smoke and, um, uh, I don't know. It definitely grew on me by the end of the movie, but in the beginning, it was uh, it was pretty rough. Makeup and costumes, yes, I agree. Well done. I really like the concept and look of the ghosts. Um, it was very awesome. Um, uh, that red smoke, very menacing. Um, and I, I have a question to you before I move on with my other items. You watched this movie twice. I did. Yes. Did you watching it a second time? Did you were you able to tell where it went from ghost to not ghost, or did they cover it up so well that you couldn't? The only time that I could tell was when Annie jumps out of the ghost near the end. Okay. Um, th there's no indication that I could tell at all 
that the ghosts aren't actual supernatural things. Very good. That's awesome. That's that's kind of what I wanted to hear because I, you know, with the these twisty type movies, sometimes you can watch them a second time and they're not as good just because mm-hmm. you can see you can see where you could have maybe figured it out. Uh, so that's good to know. Yeah, the the only real hints that I picked up on was the fact that you know the mayor was controlling them somehow, and they kind of talk with knowledge about incidents that have happened in the past and. Um, how Annie's dad tried to take him on and what happened there. Like there's little context clues, I think sprinkled into that dialogue, but I think mm-hmm. that's about all you get. Gotcha. Um, set design was great. Um, as Cody mentioned, they built an entire town in a town. Uh, and so there's the set. It looks like a, I guess a, a fort. Uh, and inside it, the fort, it's, it's kind like of like a, a walled town, right? Like there's yeah. a town, but it's completely surrounded by giant, like lumber wall, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was awesome because it really felt like a small secluded utopia town. Mm-hmm. Um, the only buildings that were there were the buildings necessary to get through life. Um, pretty interesting. I also liked uh, Doc McCune's contraptions, like that thing he kept doing to pull on his arm. I still mm-hmm. don't know exactly what he was trying to do there. Do you know what he was trying to do? I think he was stretching his arm um, just to keep it flexible, keeping the, the wound from getting too stiff so yeah, that he could, could move that. his arm. Um, I, I did notice there were a couple of times where he was working with that contraption where he would be like doing full turns on the circle Going, and the uh, thing is just- <laughs> but nothing's really happening. <laughs> like, like there's no yeah. rope pulling or anything. So, yeah. you know, it did look cool. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what the purpose was for. was just to, to keep his movement in his arm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, some of the contraptions too, that made the smoke kind of reminded me of a steampunk kind of vibe. Oh yeah. Um, I really like that. And now the only down nitpick I had, and this was at the very beginning of the movie. Um, I think the film editing was good, but there were a few continuity errors uh, in the movie. And the one that stood out to me the most was uh, when Doc McCune is running away from the red smoke for the first time. Mm -hmm. The, The shot before he leaves, his stuff is still on the ground next to him. And then the next shot, he's running away, and the stuff is in his hand. Uh-huh. Um, that was where that was probably me. Also, I was like looking for anything that looked bad because I again I was right. thinking this is going to be a bad movie. <clears throat> um, but that was really the the one egregious error that I saw. So overall, another good category, I think. A lot of the things in here are well done, especially for the budget, like we said. Um, And I think, as with any creative art, I really personally think that the less you have to work with, the better it's going to be. Because you can get more creative and you can you come up with things that you wouldn't normally have come up with because you have more innovation that way, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else to add? Um. No, you you talking about kind of uh, 
continuity issues uh, brings to mind something, but I'll wait and cover that after we talk about score. Okay. So how about we talk about score? <laughs> uh, you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, for the most part, I found the score to be kind of unremarkable. Um, it fit the movie well, so I'm not complaining about it, but I'm not giving it any awards either. It was just kind of, you know, decent music that fits the score. So, you know, solid five out of 10, good average, good. Like, I don't mean that in a negative way at all. Um, that said, there's one blazing fiery exception to this, and that is the song, uh, that is sung by Torben Lucille. Uh, it's a real simple song. It's just a piano going do, 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 do. You heard it in the intro to the song. That's the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, Torb starts singing and, and Lucille June joins in with him. And while this is playing, we start getting kind of an overview of um, the town, basically just what life is like in this town. Uh, we see, you know, cuts of the school and cu- cuts of, um, you know, the doctor helping people and, and just, town life the tailor taking pictures and um man i loved that scene i yeah. it felt a little weird at first because it's like what the heck is there a musical number in this now or are we going to get the town singing but what wound up happening is that the shots we were seeing of the town life were all like normal town life shots you know it was people being happy and living in their community and doing things and uh just going about their day-to-day lives happily and and doing well for themselves uh in particular in a post-civil war world but the song itself um it's kind of a sad and depressing and driving song like it's 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 got a dark feel to it and the effect is really highlighting kind of this, this sinister undercurrent that this town has, that there's something going on, that this is kind of weird and not normal, um, but everyone's pretending that it is. And everybody's like, yeah, we're fine. We're just going to follow the rules. And I just thought it was a brilliant addition to this movie. Um, yeah. Just kind of out of the blue. So um, that song was awesome. But yeah. the rest of it was meh. Write it off, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll be... I mean, I thought the score was haunting and thrilling, which, which is what it needed to be. Um, but by far, the most standout piece was the the song that Torb and his wife sang and played. Um, by far. And mm-hmm. um, I think I agree with you that it... it it felt out of place, um, but after it got going, it really was a pretty gripping little montage of of the town and everything. Um, interesting, like not not again, innovative, creative. Not something you would have necessarily seen in like the village, for instance. Uh, so, really good. I agree. Uh, anything that we haven't covered that you would like to, to note or mention? So the, the continuity error that I'd mentioned earlier, I want to bring uh-huh. that up. Okay. You had mentioned the, the one here, here's one that I had that kind of bothered me and still bothers me a little bit. Okay. And that is the red smoke. Mm-hmm. The red smoke is very inconsistent 
with how it affects people. Like yeah. when the doctor is out picking mushrooms, he breathes in the smoke and passes out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, later on it, it it's never clear what the smoke's going to do. Like sometimes it causes hallucinations. Sometimes it makes you pass out. Sometimes it makes you cough and sometimes it doesn't do doodly squat. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like does the smoke do something or doesn't it? Like it, it felt like they were just making the smoke do what they wanted to for the point of the plot, you know? Sure. And, and we find out that what it was is it was this sleeping drug that, uh, you know, the, the old doctor used to make for the mayor and he tricks, uh, well, I can't, I remember his name. Sorry. He tricks James into, um, making it for him saying, Oh, I need it for my sleep on those really rough nights. But, um, yeah, that, that bothered me, right? Like mm -hmm. either it knocks you out, it gives you hallucinations or it makes you cough, right? Like let's pick one here because, <laughs> Right now, it's just doing what the plot needs it to do. Yep. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. Um, I didn't really that one didn't bother me too terribly much, just because as you're watching the movie, you don't know what the red smoke is. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't know that it's a just a concoction made by a human. That's true. So in that case, if it is something demonic or ghostly, it it could be random uh and so that's why i kind of just gave it a pass but yeah after after watching the movie yes you think about it and you're like oh that that didn't make much sense mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, anything else that's yeah. it okay well why don't we do some spice awards the spice awards hooah hooah Four categories, best actor, most underrated performance, favorite scene, and the Salt Award. What do you have for best actor? For best actor, it was a hard choice between two who I felt had, uh, in particular, standout performances. Um, the one that I wound up giving it to, however, is Phil Morris, who played Matthew McCune. Um, yeah. He is um, just outstanding in this movie in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, the way he acts when he's under stress and when he's not under stress, the way that he's constantly deceiving the town folk with a smile, uh, the way that he acts, all that is just spot on, um, out just, just an amazing performance from him. I, I was super <clears throat> impressed and super surprised to see something of that quality in a, what I thought was going to be a B movie. So, um, I got to give it to, to Mr. Phil Morris. Oh, yeah. That's, as Cody said, that's Jackie Childs from Seinfeld, who mm -hmm. played the uh, basically the Johnny Cochran lawyer uh, for Kramer several times. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he was a very funny character. So. You said you had another one? Uh, no, I, it was between two. I'm not going to oh, call okay. out the other one in case it's your choice. But I got you. Uh, well, I went with Tim Blake Nelson, who played Torb. And I, I, he was my top choice, uh, but there were several actors that could have, could have made this category. Um, but I picked him just because of his character design, 
his character backstory, the way he played the character, and just he's a he's a phenomenal actor anyway. Um, he's been in so many things that I've enjoyed, and uh, he he really elevated the movie a little bit in in his performance. So I had to give it to him. Mm. An excellent choice, and he was my other one that I had to choose from. There we go. <laughs> All right, most underrated performance. This one I had a harder time with uh, because, like we said earlier, there really wasn't any bad acting that I could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I wound up giving this to Angela Bettis, who played Lucille. Okay, um, she plays you know Torb's wife and gives just a. a just a great performance all around. I felt like, um, you know, from the way that she's, she's happy in the bar with her husband and the way you see her kind of freaking out because the ghosts are, are killing townspeople. And she's like, it's not supposed to be like this. And then down to the scene where she's caressing Torb while he's dying on the ground. Um, I just thought she knocked it out of the park. And uh, while I had seen her in May, I was not familiar with her name. Uh, mm-hmm. until we did this movie. So I'm, I guess you could say I'm, I'm a solid fan now. <laughs> you were disturbed by, by her first performance and impressed by her second that you saw. Yes. Well, she's done quite a bit since May. Yeah. The next thing I saw her in. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick. I, I, I liked her performance as well. Um, yeah. She had a, uh, just like Torb, she had these undertones of uh, being a, a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a reason I would want to see a, a Torb uh, prequel. Oh, man, please. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I went with Neva Howell as Miss Roberts. And this woman, she's she's from Georgia or Alabama, somewhere around there. But when we were talking about accents, Arkansan accents, Mm -hmm. this was the one that I was like, nailed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have ants that sound just like her. um, And it was awesome. And she had this, on top of her accent, she had that school teacher bit down. Um, It was very good. And I I thought she she did a wonderful job. And (laughs) there's a... There's a scene where she has a, a mask on because she's in on it, of, of course. And uh, there's a funny bit that she does, and, and I won't spoil it necessarily, but it's very funny. Mm-hmm. So I gave it to her. Yeah, it's a good choice. Uh, favorite scene? Um, another kind of harder choice for me. But uh, after a lot of consideration, I went with the song the montage and the song. Um, It just, it felt like it tied everything together in the film. Like we went from the, you know, what's going on to the, Oh yeah, something's going on kind of feel. And it just, uh, I just loved it. Like I loved that scene. I could watch that scene like multiple times (laughs) and still enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. It definitely, it kind of broke up the film too. Cause like it, it, it felt like it was in the right spot, I guess. 
Uh, I went with the uh, blind assassin Torb scene. Um, so at a certain, so Torb, I, I think we have explained this, but Torb is this German Scandinavian guy, and he's he's been uh, uh, injured. I guess his eyes have been gouged out, and so he's he's blind, <clears throat> so he can't right. really see. Uh, but he's learned to uh, adjust to his blindness in the bar, especially he can do pretty much anything that a sighted person can do. Uh, but anyway, these the some of the townspeople come in to attack Torb and his wife, and he's got these uh, meat cleavers. And he just throws, you know, he starts like from the darkness, just throwing them at people and and attacking them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that was a really like, I feel like the uh, filmmakers could make a pretty decent like John Wick kind of film or uh, martial arts movie (laughs) based on that that one scene. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, it was cool. They they introduce us early on in the film to this trick where. Lucille will click and oh, yeah. with those clicks he can kind of locate different things and he can find things listening to those clicks. Mm-hmm. And so she's clicking and he's using her clicks to just right between the eyes throw knives at these guys. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it is a incredible scene. For sure. Adds a little uh action to this suspense thriller. <clears throat> All right, final category, Salt Award. What didn't you like? Um, I think the, the one I'm going to go with here, I had a couple, uh, but the one that's going to win out is near the end of the film. Uh, after the mayor is exposed and the people come out and start blowing smoke all over the town and all the townspeople are you know, trying to get away and running and such, there's a scene where all of the townspeople are at the gates of the walls beating on it, saying, let us out of here, let us out of here, like they're trapped. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is uh, Annie's brother, William, uh, played by Joseph Rudd, uh, walks over to him and lifts the, lifts the bar, which is just a wooden board, off of the gate and opens the gate and lets him out. And that really bothered me because like we've already established that the smoke doesn't turn people into idiots. Like they've lived in this town their whole lives. They know that to open that door, you pick up the board. It was just a board. It wasn't a like giant Thor massive oak tree. It was just a board. Like all they had to do was pick up the board and go out. But instead they're just like, ah, help. What do we do? What do we do? And then here comes old William. He's like, here you go. And they're like, oh, thank you. That bothered me. I was like, come on now. Like, I think they would be smart enough, even in this gas, to uh, lift up the bar and open the door. Ah, delirium. It, it does a lot. <laughs> I, I get that one. Uh, so mine was really was the shaky cam at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Uh, like it, it just threw me, um, mm-hmm. and I had I had some bad perceptions going into the movie. But uh, I think if I'd watch, yeah, if I watched it a second time, it probably wouldn't bother me as much. But 
as it is, I was I was kind of took taken aback. Yeah, yeah, it does work better on a smaller screen when you're not like just little. Oh god, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we forgot to do this, but we'll do it here. Overall thoughts and star ratings for Ghosts of the right. Ozarks. Overall thoughts. Uh, I thought this movie was going to be terrible. I went in expecting uh, to be embarrassed and to watch a really crappy B movie like the kind you'd find on one of those internet TV channels that you just kind of get bored and click on and see it. And, you know, it comes on right after Sharknado 46. <laughs> um, what I found instead was a really well done movie um, with a great story that was uh, completely enveloping, uh, great acting. Uh, a wonderful cast and some really interesting um, decisions in terms of shots and art and color usage and, and contrast and such. Um, it was an amazing surprise. And I'll tell you, I loved this movie. Mm -hmm. I really did. Uh, even the second time watching it, I liked it and I could watch it again now. Um, so, you know, despite the fact that this is an Arkansas film, throwing that bias completely out the window, this is a good movie. It really is. It, it's not a, it's not a cheap campy B movie horror. This is actually like legitimate, intriguing, suspenseful movie, even though calling it a horror is a little bit of a stretch. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm going to come in at an eight on this one. Okay. So, and, and that is completely bias free. Like I really liked this movie that much. Very well. Uh, yeah. So, Again, before it's an Arkansas movie, yes, um, we 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 love that that is the case, and we love that we got to see that it at the premiere, and we love that we got to have Cody on. Um, but despite that, um, this is a well-made movie for two million dollars. Um, it has a well-known cast for the most part. Um, the the plot is interesting and has a Really interesting twist, visually stunning. Um, there's not much here that you could say. Well, that that's a crappy low budget indie movie. Um, interesting score, really good singular piece of movie, music by uh, Tim Blake Nelson and Angela Bettis. Um, just a a really good time, and I think. Part of the reason it's categorized as horror is probably to avoid spoilers. Like <laughs> they, they kind of want you to think it's a ghost story or a demon story until the very end. And so maybe that's why, I don't know, but it, it really isn't much of a horror film. It's definitely a suspense thriller. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun time at the movies. Um, I would recommend anybody go see it. So I'm going to give it also an eight out of 10. Nice. We agree. That may be one of the few for, few for this season. We agree occasionally, but it, it's yeah. not common. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Matt, are we watching Rosemary's Baby or are we doing something else? Well, yeah, I think it's since this was a special episode uh, revolving around the, the uh, screening that we got to see here in Jonesboro. I think that the choice defaults to you because it is your turn still. Okay. Well, I'll, 
I know how much you really want to watch Rosemary's Baby, so I'm going to stick with that. It remains. <laughs> we'll be watching, uh, in two weeks, we'll be watching the 1968 horror film Rosemary's Baby, directed by Roman Polanski. Can't wait. We would love it if you subscribe to the Cinema Men podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can head over to cinemamenpodcast.com to check out new and old episodes. We'd love to hear from listeners, so if you have a suggestion or want to give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. Thanks for listening.